Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Once again, welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 129. Another week has come to an end. Today is Friday, April 3rd. I'm supposed to be playing a practice round for the Cleveland Heights four ball in Lakeland, Florida this weekend. But like the rest of the world, everything has come to a screeching halt. Hope that you all are taking this pandemic seriously. Please stay at home. I know that some states and some countries, for that matter, have different regulations in place, but staying home is the best thing that we can all do right now. This isn't political. This is just good common sense. Stay home and stay healthy. Speaking of Friday, it's typically the worst day to release a new podcast episode. I've always heard that. I've never released an episode on a Friday. I guess people are kind of getting geared up for the weekends and they're just checked out. But you're probably doing the same thing this weekend as you've done all week with hopefully a little more free time thrown in. So let's just get another episode out and share this content. In this episode, I am joined by the host of Morning Drive on Golf Channel, Gary Williams. Gary and I met a year ago at the Winter Park 9 golf course near Orlando. I was up in the area at a podcast convention. I'm whispering so no one hears it and remembers it. Anyway, I was up in the area and I heard about all these Friday skins games that uh, Maginella hosted. And I follow him on Instagram and I figured, oh, let me just show up and see what this is all about. Well, I then find myself playing in a sevensome with Janella, Jaime Diaz from Golf Channel, and Gary Williams. We had a great day, exchanged contact information, and we kept in touch and knew that at some point we would need to record an episode. Well, we caught up last week for a two-hour conversation that just flew by. Seriously, this is a massive episode. We hit on a lot of topics. We could have tackled so much more, but this is a good start. And we both realized that we got to do it again soon. Don't worry, it will happen. One of the things we spoke about was how the Golf Channel handled the cancellation of the players and the dissemination of the information from the PGA Tour that they relayed to the viewer. So, unprecedented situation. And it was interesting to see how it all unfolded from a behind-the-scenes perspective. Then Gary shared some Palmer stories, some Nicholas stories, and really a fantastic story at the end of this episode about his hero, Ben Crenshaw. Before we get to the conversation, I know you're all looking for fresh content out there, so make sure you follow Gary's podcast, One Up. You'll find it. It's One Up with Gary Williams. He's relaunching the podcast. I'm not exactly sure when the when it's going to happen, but go find it and subscribe, and then you'll be notified. So let's get to this episode. It's a big one. It's a great episode. Gary, finally, welcome to the back of the range, sir. How are you? Ben, I'm, uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. And I hope you are. Uh, you know, you and I, we're going to do this at some point. Yeah, I know. There is not a chance on God's green earth that either you or I thought we were going to do it under these circumstances. But here we are, and I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to just talking to you about something we both love. Absolutely. No, I know we, uh, first time we met, we played uh, in that, <laughs> we played that bizarre sevensome at Winter Park 9 back, <laughs> I think it was 
Oh gosh, what was that last? It was uh, last March, I think. Yeah, it was like a year ago. So Th- that's exactly right. Yeah, so that was. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later because that was a really fun round. I think uh, Janelle was there and Jaime Diaz was there, and I was like, "Well, this is like it's like a Golf Channel, uh, you know, Thursday afternoon, uh, you know, league match or something." It was really bizarre, but it was a lot of fun. Um, well, the sevensome is actually that's a small group. Oh, okay. Uh, that the, the skins game until we had to, you know, obviously put it on a hiatus, it got to the point where the last group, which I'm generally in is, is now been, it's swelled to usually there's probably 12 oh, God. Um, in the last, in, in the last group. And now that the days are getting longer and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get back at it at some point this summer. Um, yeah. And, and look forward to you and I playing either there or somewhere else down the road. We, we got to do that. So as you know, as I'm telling the listeners, as they listen to these episodes, I'm kind of sharing when we record just so they understand if we start talking about something coronavirus related, that doesn't apply anymore. So today's uh Thursday, March 26th. And um, we're both holding out the best we can. Uh, you're up in the Winter Park, Orlando area. You got the wife. You have one of your daughters with you. So, you know, I, I spoke recently to uh, Coach Ryan Hibble from Oklahoma, and he has uh, two daughters and the wife, and then every animal, I think, at his house, whether it's a cat, dog, whatever, female. He is all, surrounded by all females. So it's not, it's not even an island of misfit toys. It's like an island of misfit Barbies. How how are you holding up just with around – just estrogen all over the place. How are you holding up? You know what? I, I was well-trained because uh, my dad, my dad, who was in the paper industry, but, but virtually his entire career, he wound up going back and, and doing some teaching and uh, was one of the admissions directors at the University of North Carolina Business School. But that was really, uh, you know, twilight. But nonetheless, he, he was on the road a lot. But I have two older sisters. So my mother saw any, any, any highlight that I ever had in Little League Baseball or Bitty Basketball, she witnessed those few examples. My dad uh, was gone a lot, so I have practice, but I have, I have two daughters, uh, as you mentioned. One of them is actually uh, up in Charlotte. She goes to the College of Charleston, but she's um, she's staying with my sister-in-law, who uh, lives in South Charlotte. My in-laws are there, so she's really in a, in a very good, safe uh, place for her. She was down here and then went back up with my in-laws. And then my oldest daughter is a senior in high school. Uh, it's it's the three of us, but I do have a little man uh, in the house, my dog, Bucky. There you go. Uh, who will be nine in, in April. And and I got to be honest, first of all, I think he was a human in a former life. He, he is He's very evolved. He, he looks at you with a look like, if I could only tell you what's on my mind, <laughs> but he's, he's thriving because... I do give him, um, I do indulge him with, with scraps and the fact that we're home for every meal now, Oh yeah. uh, this is, this is, I mean, he really feels like this is the greatest season of his life and he doesn't want it to end. Yeah. There, uh, I, I, so. That is definitely something that uh, I've seen on social media. Pets are just loving this right now. <laughs> I mean, they are just like, or at some point the pets are like, all right, can you leave? I, I normally, you know, sleep eight hours a day. You're kind of, uh, I agree with you there. There is a balance. It's like, all right, you know, there are a lot of benefits here, but at some point, get the hell out. Yeah, pretty can much. I can I have my solitude back, please? Pretty much, yeah. I, I can see how that would happen. Um, we're going to hit on your start at the Golf Channel because I don't know if that's been covered much. And I am I found out a couple things that I just find really interesting that i got to get you to hit on. But before we do that, the last time 
you were on TV, I think, or really, uh, uh, you know, extensively when the world was normal, was around the players. And I can't still believe that it was just two weeks ago today. That it's it's amazing, I mean, Ben. It's, I mean, I, it's amazing that it was just that, and I was. I'll tell you, my my week, my responsibilities that week. Um, it was supposed to be in addition to, uh, you know, morning drive, which would be leading into uh, third round coverage. And then obviously the final round on Saturday and Sunday, which was going to be the 14th and the 15th of this month. Uh, in addition to that, I was also doing uh, golf central the entire week. I was actually from the prior weekend on morning drive uh, into that week. And then subsequently what was supposed to be, the aftermath of the players into Valspar was going to be a 12 straight day stretch for me of wow. being on the air. And so I was doing uh, golf central hits from the studio, uh, basically as a, with a sponsored elements, they'd come back to Orlando. So like for instance, Monday night, which was the, the two hour live from the players to, st- to lift the lid with rich and his team. Right. Uh, I, I did, you know, I did a couple of, you know, 60 to 90 minute uh, supplemental hits on, you know, again, sponsored elements. Tuesday, uh, we were on from, you know, 9 a.m. Uh, to 5 p.m. and then back from 7 to 9. Uh, I was there all day doing stuff. Same thing Wednesday. And then I was doing early on Thursday, Friday, and then was going to do Saturday, Sunday after morning drive. And what happened was I, I did the early uh, stuff on Thursday came home and then, and then I was, I was going to be back anyway uh, to do, to do the evening stuff as well. And when we finished, when we finished, I drove home, I, I showered and I was getting ready to just kind of unwind with my, my wife. It was uh, about 10 PM. I got a call from Molly Solomon, our executive producer and Matt Haggerty, our senior co- coordinating producer over special uh, events, including all the live froms. They both called me back to back and said, we need you to get to the studio right away. I was the one who came on the air. It was about 1040 by the time. I was very proud of myself. I got to down I-4, uh, you know, which is the worst road on planet Earth. Uh, sure. In about 22 minutes through makeup, popped me on the air. I announced what a lot of people had already seen on social media with Jay Monahan. Um, electronically alerting the entire field that they had canceled the event. Uh, Todd Lewis came on the phone. Todd did it a, a brilliant uh, job of he literally he slept and, there. He slept there. Well, not yes, not only that, but but he literally, as he was getting them in real time, was reading the responses via text off his phone. And yeah. I'm not kidding. I'd have to go back and watch it. But I, I'm 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 guessing that in a four minute window of him just just literally machine gunning these responses yeah. to me via his phone line off of the phone reading them, he probably had eighteen to twenty players, and most of them are in the top fifty in the world. Of course, the, the field is nothing but the top hundred in the world, but right. uh, he did a phenomenal job. And then I kind of bridged to the top of the 11 o'clock hour on the East coast. And then rich Jaime, uh, Randall and Justin got in place back on the set and they went from 11 to 1130 live. Yeah. And no, then I, we I, came I... back Friday morning. I was there in the event that they needed any redundancy from the studio. Those guys came on, 
carried, 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 and then um, went off the air. And then I was basically, I left at noon on that Friday, the building, and was told by Molly, who was there in the control room, I was in there as well with Ben Dawn, who was uh, the lead producer, uh, Jeff Fabian, Alan Robson, their great team, Jill Barrett. And, and it was, hey, just, just your own call yeah. from now until whenever. And that's what the last two weeks have been. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I wanted to hear. I and I think that's what a lot of people wanted to hear as well. I mean, you, we got to see what happened on TV, but I was just very curious because I can't imagine other than nine eleven two thousand one. Uh, I don't think you had the infrastructure that you have now. Obviously, I don't think you're certainly doing, not right. So, I mean, I know there was Golf Channel, but there wasn't to that extent. But the ability to just put it all together and just it, it was astonishing and there's and there's no precedent for it i mean there's nothing you had to like oh yeah i remember when this happened last time no you don't have that no i i ben the only thing that i would compare it to in terms of the mobilization i'm not trying to i i'm not trying to no you know, I, I make just, this heroism right or anything. No, I, i'm just i'm just trying to give people because i know you're curious and and i find it interesting too i i love television yeah i've always been fascinated by particularly sports television going all the way back to when i was a kid Anyway, I, the only thing I would compare it to in terms of my experience at Golf Channel and then just talking to people like Rich uh, and Matt, who've been there, Matt Haggerty, who've been there a long time, but Rich on the air more than 20 years, is is Arnold Palmer's death, which which occurred yeah. on a, the Sunday night of the Tour Championship leading into Ryder Cup week. So, and I, again, it was very, it's kind of eerie. I was in my bedroom. I was going to bed uh, because morning drive was 7 a.m. that Monday morning following the tour championship that did Rory won in 2016, that playoff with Ryan Moore. And my wife opened the door to our bedroom with our two daughters, knowing my affinity for, for Mr. Palmer and said, Mr. Palmer died. And then I, I, and then we were the golf channel. Then from, from the announcement of his passing, we were on the air for 24 straight hours um, and that's the only thing that I can compare it to. And, and, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not so much, it really isn't the people that you see. It's the people who are, who are putting this tapestry of connective tissue sure. of guest after guest after guest as, as they did. That's, you know, that's, that's Courtney Holt, who's the head of player relations and, and her team of Kelly Miller. Uh, and, and Alex Russell, who was the daughter of Mark Russell, who yeah, was rules vice official. president of rules competition for the PGA tour. Uh, but this was, this was kind of like that. And then again, you know, that Monday morning, or pardon me, that Friday morning, uh, that included, you know, Mike Tirico's in place. He gets the interview with Jay Monahan following his presser that was live. Damon Hack was still on site. Uh, Eamon Lynch, Jaime Diaz were giving their thoughts with Todd, who's on that side set. And of course, Brand, uh, Brandel and, and uh, it was uh, Justin. And then Jaime went back up to the set with Rich. Um, yeah, that was that, that, that would be the only thing that I could compare it to, but you're right. Nine 11, of course I wasn't at golf channel in 2001, but that you're right. There was no infrastructure to execute to the, to the degree or the depth uh, that, that the company was able to do uh, as they did two weeks ago. And then, of course, you know, not quite four years ago. No, you guys did a, a phenomenal job, and I, I'm glad you mentioned all those people that are behind the scenes because I, I know that it's not <laughs> – I mean, it's it's not just the ones that you see on camera. It's the it's the entire machine behind it. Um, 
you mentioned Mr. Palmer, and I was going to get to that, but let's go ahead and segue into it right now. What's when? When, when did you meet Mr. Palmer for the first time? I met him in the the winter of 1995. I was it was my first season at Seminole as an assistant professional. I uh, come yeah, there. I was going to surprise the listeners with that oh. that you were that you're a oh, former okay. that you're a former class A you're a class A professional. <laughs> that I don't know how the hell you got an assistant job at Seminole of all places. But I I, gonna, I'll tell you very quickly. Yeah, how sure. I, did. I mean, I was I I found that out. I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, come on. I, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how. Go it's ahead. not that I was. It's not that I was bereft of any any ability at various things, uh, but but there are there are plenty of people equally or more qualified than, than I was. I was you know I was very lucky. I'd gotten through uh, both at that time the st- the school structures uh, to to get through in the PGA of America were different than they currently are now. Uh, they're more robust. They're they're denser. Uh, it requires more time uh, to to you know get your Class A certification. But I actually got it. Uh, as a member of the South Florida section. So anyway, I was at Greensburg Country Club in Greensburg, North Carolina, and the the, the the guy that was leaving that opened up the position on Jerry Pittman, who preceded Bob Ford, uh, Jerry, Jerry was a great professional, uh, and I think he should be in the PGA of America Hall of Fame. But nonetheless, uh, Todd Killian was leaving, and Todd was going to become the head pro at the honors course in Chattanooga. And Todd had worked for the guy that I was working for at the time, Scott Bailey at Greensburg Country Club. So I knew before anybody that when Todd got the job, Scott was his mentor. He called Scott, let him know that he got it. And Scott and Scott knew what my objectives were. I gave Scott a list of, of clubs that I, I wanted to go to. He was the man in the Carolina section placing guys in head jobs. I didn't want that at 26. I wanted, yeah. I gave him a list and Seminole was on the list. And um, anyway, Billy Armfield, who was a, a textile magnet in, in the industry, but also a member of Greensburg country club was a Seminole member. And, and Scott called Billy who had literally just landed off a plane at Kennedy airport in New York uh, from London and said, you know, Hey, Gary's Gary is interested in, pursuing the the position that's opening at Seminole, Billy Armfield called Jerry. uh, And a week later, I was sitting uh, in the Hutton room uh, in the clubhouse at Seminole on a Sunday late morning interviewing for the job and then went out and played nine holes in a westerly wind, which is the rarest wind at Seminole, ripping about 30. And Jerry said, we're going to play nine holes. Now, not we. I played alone. He walked with his bucket hat on, dressed in his in his in his in his battleship gray slacks that he wore every day, and his white Pickering hard collar, a la Mister Hogan. Right. And I played nine holes with a caddy, and 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 just grinded my you know you know what's off uh, to to play respectfully, and and I wound up getting the position. So anyway, I'm I'm in my first season. It's it's that winter and it's a Saturday morning, and it was very odd. Jerry Jerry's very fastidious, very detailed man. Not only did we Ben we we vacuumed the shop at night, and then when we got there in the morning, we vacuumed it again, as if as if like some vagabonds broke into the shop every night and just left debris on the ground. It, it was very unusual. Sure, anyway, yeah, I, the, the the vacuum was in the locker room, so I walked up the concrete steps 
to uh, the entrance, the lower entrance, closer to the pro shop, into the locker room at Seminole, opened the, the, the door with the vacuum in my hand, and it was about, uh, about 8.15 a.m. on a Saturday morning, looked up before I had put my foot on the top of the top step, and Arnold Palmer was sitting on the bench across from that screen door, and basically I almost landed in his lap by tripping on that last step. I put his hand out, said, I'm Arnold Palmer. He was playing that day with a dear friend of his, Bronson Ingram, who's a Nashville guy whose family is the biggest benefactor at Vanderbilt University. Unfortunately, Mr. Ingram got a terminal cancel not long after that. I met him there, but it was a brief interlude, said goodbye to him that day after he played, and then saw him again. And uh, that was about five weeks after I'd started a golf channel. I hosted a dinner at Bay Hill for the USGA's member program. Sure. And uh, I sat with him and Kit at dinner. Dal Finsterwald was there with his wife. And Mr. Palmer and I went up and did a fireside chat because he's one of a handful of players in the history of the USGA that won three different uh, championships that they uh, conduct. And before we walked up, and I was the first time I had really spent any, literally any time with him. He said, are you nervous? And I said, actually, I feel okay. And he said, you'll be fine. He goes, just remember, nobody, nobody gives a shit what you have to say. They're here for me. And that totally, totally, not that I was, uh, I wasn't really that uptight, yeah. but I mean, I was like, what this guy is, this guy is gold. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, he's a man. So uh, that, that was really my first interlude with him. And he was just to, to peel back a, a layer further. He was alerted before that evening by, by some people that, that my father right after I got a golf channel was diagnosed himself with a very rare form of kidney cancer and he was terminal and Mr. Palmer was made of aware of that. Didn't say anything to me. Um, he looked out for me. He, he, uh, I, I would go over, I would have breakfast with him at Bay Hill. Um, you know, I, I went to Little Trobe on several occasions, uh, was able to spend time with him. Uh, so he was, he was an amazing, uh, comforting person to me beyond being, for crying out loud, the John Wayne of golf. Right, exactly. Uh, he was he was amazing, and and uh, you know, right the 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 spring before, or pardon me, the fall before, one year before he passed, I took my daughter down, my younger daughter down, and had breakfast with him because he he knew that she was playing some golf. We went down on a Sunday morning and had breakfast at Bay Hill. So he was, and he was a champion, Ben, of not only not only uh, golf channel, even though from a financial standpoint, there wasn't as much bona fide skin in the game. That was his baby. Oh yeah. I mean that the source of pride that he had in knowing that, yeah, yeah, not just the first 24 hour sports network devoted to one sport. And now subsequently every sport has one, but golf right. of all things was able to survive. And tiger was huge. In, in terms of helping to pull the sled and, and attract, you know, the, the casual fan and the sports fan uh, to, to take an interest when, when he, you know, it was almost simultaneously golf channel preceded him professionally by a year. Right. Um, but, but anyway, but, but morning drive was again, morning drive was the first devoted live program by any sport to a morning slot, which is, which is, I, I did mornings and radio for years before I, I got to golf channel 
there's a lot, there's a ton of money that is spent in morning radio and in morning television. And they said, you know, we're doing this. And, and the NFL didn't have a morning show yet. Major League Baseball did not have a live morning show yet. The NHL did not. Uh, and the NBA did not. It was Golf Channel with, yeah. with Morning Drive. And he was, again, he'd get on the treadmill. Uh, and, and Kit told me, she's like, he now gets up a half an hour earlier so he can be on the treadmill when the show starts at 7, which we did <laughs> at that time only five days a week. We were not on the weekends and, and we were, we were, we, we didn't flex schedules. We just, we were seven to nine Monday through Friday. And, uh, so he was, he was, he was amazing. I know that tiger, like you said, pulled the, pulled the sled, but you know, tiger at, in that in 96, 97, doesn't have the business relationships and the corporate relationships to talk to Titans of industry like Mr. Palmer. So, no, and so, no, and, no, you're and, right. And somebody right. has to start it. And it's not a, a network is not going to get started by a 20, 21 year old kid. Doesn't matter who it is. It's just not going to happen that way. So. No, you're no, you're exact. You're exactly right. And, and to 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 be fair and, and to give the due credit that's deserved. Joe Gibbs, he understood uh, the landscape of, of of television. And then Tim Neer, who who was the president of Seminole Golf Club prior to Jimmy Dunn, who I know you've had on the podcast, yeah. uh, Tim was the point guy for distribution to cable systems uh, across America. And those three guys ran the weave and made it happen. But, but Palmer was, he was the point man. He was, he was the lead dog in the sled when it came to, I mean, you know, walking into a, a conference room, not only, like you said, did he already have the relationships because of his portfolio of, of sponsorship and, and corporate relationships, but he had the magnetism with all these 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 people who ran these companies uh, to, to make at least a modest investment in in the wherewithal in this fledgling network. Yeah. So yeah, but Joe Gibbs and Tim were were the other two guys who were just those three guys made it happen. I guess here's just a random question I have for you. Just as a journalist, you know, you need to be objective. You need to be able to uh, say on a Saturday morning after a player shoots 76 and misses the cut that, you know, he didn't look good and he doesn't have his game together. But you know you're going to see that player at some point down the line and have to have hard conversations or they may have conversations with you. How do you balance the uh, journalistic integrity but also keep the relationship? Um, I think what you do is, first of all, a tone is really important. And I think that that uh, particularly now with the way that that a lot of a lot of us and, and I'm not doing it as much now. And I'll, I'll explain why in, in, a, in a little bit uh, with respect to the consumption of social media. Um, there's not a lot of tone in conversation now because a lot of communication is not audible. It is it is electronic. And and I think that um, when you when you do take the time, and that's why I've always I've always loved talking to people um, like you. I mean, I, I'd much rather ha have a conversation that that is, you know, where you can measure your own tone, but also be able to to digest the tone that you're getting from the person or people that you're talking to. I think tone's really important. And I think in golf, um, when, when you're talking about somebody's performance, I don't have any earthly idea day in and day out what is going on in the lives of these men and women. Yep. When they go out 
um, and and prepare to play competitive golf alone. They are not. They are not. You can't. You can't hide a left guard uh, when when you're teeing off at, at you know the Valspar or or the the Dell match play that that should be going on right now or would be going on right now. So I, tone's really important, and I, I don't I don't do this habitually where you where you, you issue the disclaimer saying, listen, I don't know what their state of mind was when they got to the golf course in the morning, but, but you try to be, you, you try to be sensible. And, and, and you also, you also have to be receptive to the point of view of other people because they're, they're the thing that I struggle with and what, what really uh, motivated me very much to pursue the job at golf channel was after doing so many years of radio uh, was that I was finding that if, if you did not talk in a way that it was, I'm right, you're wrong, yeah. that you were, you were considered to be, there was, there was you're a weak. weakness yep. to your, yep. to your, to your presentation. Yep. And, and I, other than empirical data, everything else is subjective. Now there are certain things that overwhelmingly you would say, well, of course, you know, you're right about that. Um, but by and large, especially when it comes to performance, look, if somebody goes out and hits seven greens and it's three fairways and has 34 putts, they had a really bad day. And, and that's not that's not hard to draw that conclusion. But I, I, I think it's all right. Try to put it in. Don't try to take every single round and shove it in a vacuum and then just and then just railroad. The, the, these these declarative statements of he stunk today. I don't understand what's wrong with him. Why you know this that and the other. And then and then what you try to do is gather whether it be on the front end or the back end. Whether it be not not directly. I mean I I, I don't I don't infringe upon players for the most part in the middle of of a competitive um, component. Meaning from Thursday to Sunday, I, I leave players. Sure. alone yeah. um you know there, there may be something that, that is an ancillary thing that i may want to just get a thought on or or you know set up of the golf course or hey what did you you know anyway but 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 what you try to do is be as to, to have your mind as illuminated as it can possibly be to to where that per, certain player may be uh, whether it be a coaching change whether it be um you know I, again personal stuff is just that that's that's their lives and yeah. and that's it i'm not saying that this is some you know arduous challenge that we face every day but i go back to what i said in trying to answer the question is i think tone's really important and and you know don't don't i and i know that i'm guilty of this sometimes i really do and i have to i have to check myself is is don't don't act like you know more than you know and and don't try not to be pious and try not to be too righteous, particularly in this game uh, that is so fleeting and so damn fickle. Um, and, and I think that over time players who I think consume more than they say they do, some don't at all, but, but I think by and large, look, we're all curious <laughs> to, to varying degrees of what others think of us, whether it be of, personally or professionally, we are, I mean, we just, we just are, we're, we're, we're social creatures by nature. So just by virtue of that, we're, we're going to be curious about the thoughts of other people about whether our personalities or our work performances. So, uh, and I think that, you know, you, what you do is again, 
try to know as much as you can know and then and then present your position in a way that is not declarative and also is very open to the viewpoints of others. I, I can't tell you, Ben, the number of times I've sat and said whatever it is that I think, and it's not some, you know, just profound thing. And then I'll listen to what Jaime Diaz has to say. And I'll go, I had never, I hadn't thought of it that way. Not, not, not in a thousand years, nor could I have expressed it that way. And that's why it's such a damn joy uh, to have the chance to work with, you know, somebody like that or Damon Hack or Matt Adams. So, um, and that's why, you know, you love golf and you're, you, you know, you're, you're, a you're a good player. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a competent player at 53. Um, but, but I, I do know that they're aliens. What they do is it's just, it's not, it's not, but, but, but that, that applies to Steph Curry. That applies to, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Yes. They, they have, they have, they have made their way through a siphon that gets more narrow and has less oxygen to come out the other side to sit on the summit of physical performance globally that I I have always marveled at. I've always been curious about and and awestruck by. It doesn't mean that I have to love them as people, but I do find what athletes do at the highest level damn amazing. <laughs> One of the things that I find uh, fascinating is that we, whether it's, you know, not singling out golf channel. That's it's just basically us as golf fans, which I think even though you're on the side of presenting in a journalist uh, manner, you are golf fans. You have to be to work uh, to be a golf channel. I would imagine. And we're so intent on giving our opinions about whether or not Rory is going to win at Augusta or, <laughs> or Spieth is going to complete the, the, his grand slam or when Spieth going to get his act together or, is Tiger going to beat Jack? And what if he does beat Jack? And is he better? All this stuff that we are just flooding social media with, flooding TV time with, that doesn't help the player that, as to, to your point, you know they're listening to some of it. You know that the questions they get have to do with this. It doesn't help them achieve the things that we as golf fans actually want to see. You're, so, you're, you, I, you, I could not agree more. And like, so, so, point, so, yeah, so just yeah. to finish my thought, yeah, you know, sure. we, we talk so much about is tiger going to do this and, you know, Spieth and I don't, I wouldn't blame Spieth if he became less uh, visible in a, in online or he became less likely to sit down and have a 20 minute conversation about what's going on in his life. So how do we cover it without ruining it? Whew. Um, I think again, I, I, you know, I, I, look, you you, you, you have in terms of, you know, that, that's such a principled question that you've just asked me. You, you've asked me something that, uh, is rooted in good intentions. And I'm not saying that, that, that a lot of people who either cover golf, love golf, whether it's, you know, old media, new media, whatever it may be. Yeah. I have malicious intent. No, no, I'm not but, saying but, that at all. No, no, I know you're not. I know you're not. I, I, I think that that, that is what, that is one of the most fascinating things that I honest to God find about professional golf is that, and I've, I've asked this of several players and, you know, at some point for, for whatever it's worth, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to compile uh, a, a, something that is focused enough that, that will, 
construct a book about various things that make golf as particular as it is. And one of the things, Ben, and I've talked to athletes from other sports about something that that you're striking upon, and it's it's not only what we do week to week, month to month, and year to year with respect to the assessment of can he do it, can he get back, is he done, is he back, Um, is we, we also do it, which to me is why golf is 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 such an extraordinary challenge uh, of a, of achievement now with the ability of people's opinions to be put in the ether in a real time basis. We ask them to talk about their performance in the middle of competition. Oh yeah. And I've I've talked to I've talked to Rick Barry about this. I've talked to Jay Billis about this. Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to athletes in other sports about this very thing. And that is. Can you imagine that if, and, and again, it, you can go, well, you know, again, that's why it's different. Yeah. But if Steph Curry goes eight for nine in the first quarter and Steve Kerr goes great quarter, now go home, sleep on it. <laughs> and, yeah. and before you leave, I want you to shower. And then you're going to talk to the media. You're going to tell them how good that, that first quarter was akin to shooting 63 and how you're going to back it up tomorrow in the second quarter. And and I've talked to Webb Simpson about this when he won the players. Because when he shot that 63 and he, and he put such distance between himself and it had been a while when he had won. And I said to him, I said, I said, Webb, I'm watching in the presser after the 63. And here, and again, it's what we do and there's no malicious intent. What would this mean? What, it, you haven't won in a while what would this mean in terms of the anchor ban? And you've got a, you know, you've got a seven shot lead. We're trying to get them to a place that they haven't gotten to yet. And that is the place of the finish line and the achievement and it's over and the bow is on it, but they're not there. They're there. And, and he said, Gary, it was so hard to, to, to go home, to not watch television. And he's a golf geek. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the guys who, when he doesn't compete professionally, will go down to Eagle Point in Wilmington with some buddies and play for three days. He loves he loves playing golf. And he said it's, it was hard not to watch Golf Channel. And then I got up the next morning, and, I'm, and I know that I'm not teeing off till 2.45. And I called Paul Tosori, and I'm like, we got to go get coffee now. And Paul's like, you got to relax, dude. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's – but but Rick Barry said to me, he goes, I, I don't – it's – this game is so hard mentally. He said, I can't, I, I don't, I don't know how these guys do this. I don't know how they're asked to talk about things that have not even happened yet. And it's the middle of a competition and they have to go sleep in, in, you know, you talk about flow states and ebbs and flows and, you know, boy, he's, you know, he's, you know, he looks good today. Well, okay. Then he wakes up the next day or she, um, so you're right. I, I, th- we are, and, and again, this is another thing. And I asked Jack Nicholas this in the press room the week of the Masters in 2016. I said, I said, Jack, do you think that social media has an impact on performance? <laughs> and he said, Yes, I do. Oh yeah. And then, and then, and and then he started giving, which, which only he can, this this very thoughtful. And, 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 and really interesting position on the fact that when he played, he, he was impacted by the thoughts of Dan Jenkins, Jim Murray, um, Furman Bisher, 
and there was one other, uh, and I, I, it'll come to me. It might have been Ron Green Sr. I think that's who it was. And he said, but here's the thing, Gary. I knew, I knew that when my round was over, I, I didn't have to worry about it. Like if I made bogey on 17, I didn't, I, I didn't walk to the 18th tee with, with potentially things that would fester or get into my into the mainstream of my mind about how people literally, including media members and fans were saying, what a sloppy bogey, what a, what a soft bogey. And he's walking to the 18th tee. And I think that applies to football players. If you're an LSU receiver and you go over the middle and you drop a pass on a, on an in route that could have been a touchdown, that guy's going to go to the sideline. It's now fourth and 10. He's not thinking about people just roasting him on Twitter right. in real time. Social media impacts performance. I'm, I'm a, I absolutely believe uh, that is true. And Jack said, I, I, all I had to do was make sure that Barbara kept the newspaper away from me the next morning. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the, um, their whole thing they're, for playing professionals. They're all about staying in the present. And the first thing that happens as soon as they go off the golf course is someone takes them out of the present into what are you going to do tomorrow? What do you, you know? How do you need to do this? How do you do that? Or what do you, how do you win? The, the, the thing that I would love to see go away and has absolutely nothing against anyone that does it is, and you know, Balionis or anyone else. Sure. But when you're got that player in the post round interview and you got them in front of the screen and you got all their scores and looking at this, looking at that, instead of saying what worked for you today and what are you going to do tomorrow? Why not say something like at Memorial, say, hey, um, Adam Scott, or hey, um, Rory McIlroy, we're at Jack's place. Tell me about the first time you met Jack Nicholas. Wouldn't that be more interesting to hear these big professionals, these big stars in the PGA Tour, turn into like little kids telling about the first time they met a golfing hero? I'd much rather hear that story about a Tim Heron or a Hideki or whoever, I want to hear how you met Jack for the first time. I don't care how you shot 68 because I can look that up and I already saw it. And what are you going to do the next day to shoot another 68? Do the same shit you just did today. Done. Mm. But I'd love to hear you, you know, tell me, or that could be done any event, you know, uh, what's the first time, you know, anything you can get all creative, do whatever you want to, but I'd love to see more human moments then and maybe we should expect more of that. I'm not saying personal moments. I don't want to know like, hey, so last time you're playing in Vegas, you know, uh, give me a good story about the club you're at, and you know, I don't need that. That's personal. But I'd like a little more of a human moment. I don't want. I don't want numbers at that point. I guess it's indicative of kind of kind of where we are um, in terms of the way that that news moves now. Um, that it is. It's it's hot takery, uh, it's gas baggery. Which again, I'm I'm listen. I remember the first time I was called that. It was by Bob Raceman of the Daily News, who's the media columnist, still is. Right. When I was working at SiriusXM, and 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 it's 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 soundbite stuff. Um, and I think that you know, again, part of it part of it is the mechanics. I know this, and this is not in defense of of. The, the execution or or the line of question that generally does happen right, in right. situations like that but but i do know this particularly on the back end of a broadcast um you know whether it's lance barrow at cbs or mark loomis at fox or tommy roy at at, at nbc um you know 
you got 90 and they're in your ear yeah. and they're going, you got one, you got you and you click follow. And, and by the way, you're probably right up against a hard out at, at, at six on the East for local news. Anyway, you, you, what you're saying is, and I think that, you know, if, if, if stuff like that, hopefully stuff like that is being gathered by, especially for the headline players each week on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in media sessions in advance of the event. But, but you're right. And it's, I, I think what happens and that's why I always thought, um, and, and to our producers credit early on at morning drive, um, uh, we started a thing called champions Tuesday and we were, we were very fortunate early on in 2011, the infancy of the program and, and most of them were, were phone interviews. We would get winners on every tour on on Tuesday, yeah. and and when you give when you get somebody when they've gone through the car washes as they're called yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of of the media responsibilities and the immediate aftermath of, of a win. First of all, by and large, for for the lion's share of players, it is a mind blowing experience to win a, a professional golf tournament. And you can say, "Well, oh, stop." Well, look, Ricky Fowler has been doing this. Full time since 2010, he's won five times. Okay, it is mind blowing. Yeah, and 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 you know, for them to to be able to get their bearings and be a little bit reflective, if you give them 24 hours, whether it's at home or in a hotel room at the, the, the event the next week, there is a there is an introspection that you will get from a player 24 or 36 hours after a win. That was really enjoyable. We 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 and we're we're actually we're starting to do it. As a matter of fact, on Golf Central on Mondays, uh, I, I started hosting at the beginning of the year Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays on Golf Central. And we've had, you know, when Webb won the Waste Manager, we had him on on Monday. We had Nick Taylor on um, when he won uh, at Pebble Beach. Uh, we've had a few others. And and as a matter of fact, even the the European Tour winners that we've gotten on. Um, on 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 Sundays following uh, the European tour that precedes Morning Drive, like we got Lee Westwood on in the Middle East uh, when he won in uh, I think he won in Abu Dhabi, uh, and and it was 90 minutes after he won, not 90 seconds, and you know you were able to kind of it was like he was done, he was kind of exhaling, and you could go places that unfortunately Amanda does an excellent job and Steve Sands and people like that. Yeah. It is a, it is a, I mean, it really is. You may have three bullets in the holster and, and you may not even be able to empty the chamber before, you know, you got, you got Lance or Tommy barking at you, 10, nine, and it's not nine to go to another interview. It's nine to black. Right. And, and it's, and it's Wesh news in Orlando letting you know, you know, whatever the hell has happened in Orange County. Right. No, and I, and, no, exactly. And yeah, and I'm not, I'm not singling them out. I guess it's more just the machine that I, and I understand they got, they got 10 seconds to nothing. They can't get into a big story, but I guess I'm just thinking about, you know, if I want the, to get the stats and the spe- specifics, there are places I can go to get that. I go to Shotlink, I go here, I go there. I guess we're still talking about social media and then I'm, I'm going to ask this one thing and then we'll get off it. But, you know, um, coronavirus has actually you know in a certain sense i know it's awful what we're dealing with and what i mean a lot of people are dealing with a lot of serious issues but it's kind of narrowed the gap between the the pga tour player lpga tour whatever the pga tour player and the fan 
it was mm-hmm. we're all stuck at home and we have to do mm-hmm. this social distancing thing. And I know, you know, Rory's home gym is going to be a little bit more extensive than mine. And, um, <laughs> and, and, cl- and cleaning out and cleaning out my garage is probably not going to be as uh, exciting as Poulter's garage. That, that psychopath with all those shoes and the cars and shit. But, um, but it allows us to connect and, you know, I'm I'm starting to see that happen, and I know we need to stay safe and and try and help less fortunate people. But what are what are some of the things that you wouldn't mind seeing some of the players do during this time to maybe humanize themselves, grow the game, grow their connection to the fans? Like if you could just kind of mm-hmm. make a blanket like advice to some of these guys and gals, like what can you do? Because it's a really, I mean, in the wake of just a, a really horrible thing. It's a really interesting time. It's almost like everyone can reset and and change their way, so to speak. Well, I'll give you an example, and this is this is on the, you know, this is really on the top end of the food chain from somebody who I've mentioned his name already. Uh, what Steph Curry did today is next level stuff. I mean, Steph Curry did an Instagram Q and A with Anthony Fauci. And among the people who viewed it, I think they, they, they said during the live presentation of it, 50,000 people watched it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it was more. I thought I saw 50,000. Know, among them was President Obama. Um, and I, 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 his, his buddy, Andre Iguodala, was watching it. And anyway, you know, that, that's next level stuff. And that, is, that, is, that is somebody who – first of all, has a, a, a tremendous affinity for the game of golf. Uh, and I, 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 it's funny, I've been watching Steph since he was seven years old because I was in Charlotte when Dell was a member of the Charlotte Hornets and yep. watched him play at Charlotte Christian and Davidson right there. And I, anyway, Steph has got a very curious mind, uh, a lot like Roy McElroy does. And, and, and it's, and it's rooted in, in the curiosity for personal advancement and personal growth, which by extension, I would imagine is only going to make his family unit healthier. And, and then really a lot of other people's lives, uh, you know, better like he's doing with the Howard golf program, but, but stuff like that. Um, I, I think that, that, that players and this this is not about editorializing about who's right who's wrong who's done wrong who's been you know it's not about that it's about the curiosity of where are we and what we're doing but i think an example of 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 first of all what they're all doing by 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 raising their engagement uh with people whether it be you know putting out videos or push-ups or, or you know, chipping yeah, and, yeah, or what, what, yeah and 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 you know rory and justin thomas and billy horschel and those guys and i i'm actually not i haven't been consuming a lot of social media for almost a month and a half but anyway i i um i i think that if if guys like that go go to the next level and what i mean by that is you know what you can now with 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 zoom um rory you know what He's become a, a real thoughtful voice yeah. uh, in in forget the PGA Tour in golf in the game of golf and and say you know what get get three or four other people and do not necessarily a Brady bunch you know you don't need nine boxes whether it be three four and you know what talk about stuff talk yeah. about talk about things that that I'll tell you things that I would be curious about I mentioned about Webb Simpson he plays golf when he's not playing golf for a living. 
I'd love to know. I'd love to know what Justin. What, where's Where's Justin Thomas not played? What is What is on Justin Thomas's bucket list? Yeah. What is What is what what and, and Roy's been doing this, you know, sharing books that he's reading, and right. I've actually read several of the ones that he has. Just and and I've I found them to be very interesting, including digital minimalism, but stuff like that to to say, you know what, you know, you guys, have you guys ever been to Bandon Dunes? And I guarantee you that that forty to forty five out of the fifty players in the top fifty in the world haven't. Right. That is the number one retail golf destination in the United States and among, I would guess, I don't know, I'd have to call up Matt Janelle, <laughs> probably top five in the world. But anyway. He's probably you know, there and, right and, now. He's probably hey, figured well, out a way actually, to get no, there right not, now. No, I, I, know he's I, I No, he's not. I went for a, a walk with distance between us at first light yesterday morning. He's 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 at home. But anyway, I, I think that, that learning more about them in a, hey, what, what are you guys, like, you're at home. And again, this is not being voyeuristic. Right. I don't. I, I don't know what, 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 what are their indulgences? I mean, do, do, whether it's ice cream or pizza or you know TV shows. Right now, we're all curious. I would take. I would. I. I my wife and I plowed through. Curb your enthusiasm. I'm like, now what do we do? Really. Well, thank God, Ozark season three is getting released tomorrow, March 27th. There you go. And I will be undisciplined like a lot of us are and, and, and not go take it easy to a day, maybe one. No, what I'll do is I'll probably wind up watching five in one day, but I, you know, things like that, where there is a, you know, connect to each other. Who's the last and member? By, by yeah. One degree of separation, connect these people who, who patronize you by watching you, following you, yeah. maybe buying your products, showing, you know, brand loyalty. Um, and then, and then if you really want to, you know, expand, uh, you know, your horizons, you know what, get somebody on from whether it be, Hey, like Rory had Jay Monahan on, and this was even, this was before all of this, uh, Adam on his podcast and Rory's got a, you know, Rory's got a, a platform with that podcast. I'd, I'd love to know. I would, and Rory's a huge, he's a huge UFC fan. He's a huge NBA fan. Roy McElroy and Carson Daly could get Adam Silver on. Of course. And, 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 you know, these guys, whether it be XL sports and Mark Steinberg runs at golf division, cross pollinate your athletes and, and, and let them share time to, to, for all of us to learn commonalities about preparation, about uh, the impact of social media on performance, let them talk about things that you and I may speculate about, may have, you know, maybe a decent read on, um, and, and find out more about them. Because I will say this, Ben, I do think in, in listening and being around a lot of these players and I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and good guy, good guy, good guy. Nobody, no industry is filled with a bunch of good people up and down the line, but I think golf showed itself well on that Friday morning, as, as these guys were going in, whether it be Ke uh, Kevin Kisner, Kevin Kisner is an interesting dude yeah, and he's brutally honest. I've done a few events with Kevin. I did a junior event with him and this was a great, just as a sidebar, he got up in front of the 54, of the best juniors in the world. It's a junior invitational at Sage Valley. Oh yeah. And he said, Hey guys, it's great having you here. This is my club live, you know, just down the road in Aiken. And he said, but I just want you to know 
that 64 played off in the Monday qualifier at the Houston Open. Get you some of that. Many of you are not going to play this game for a living. And I went, what an icebreaker. That's awesome. And, but but it's that is, you know, Kevin Kisner is gold. Kevin Kisner yeah. is unvarnished, brutal truth. Uh, and guys like that, this is an opportunity for, for golf to showcase people like him. Uh, and there are others that, that have Max you know, Homa. First of all, we all, we Max all Homa. Know, yeah, Max Homa. Max is another one. Graham McDowell is people know his thoughtfulness. Yep. Graham McDowell right now. Here's an, here's an example of how interesting it would be to have a conversation with someone like him. This is somebody who has, has, has plowed his way back to relevancy with respect to his world ranking and, 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 and touching uh, the, the light of, of, of the Ryder Cup radar of Padraig Harrington by virtue of, of, of winning an event in Saudi Arabia, winning last year in Putacana. But here's the other thing about Graham McDowell. Graham McDowell is a restaurant owner. I was going to say that. I was just going to say that. I was yeah, literally. Ben, who, yeah. by, by the way, are, are, one is within cart. There's a cart path from the entrance of Lake Nona to Nona Blue. And, and people know that if you've been to Ponte Vedra and been to the stadium course, if you stayed at the Marriott, you don't need to Uber to Nona Blue. You walk there. Um, this is somebody – and, oh, by the way, just to extend that to another layer of the impact of, of this on – and, look, we're everybody, whatever they do, is impacted by this. Everybody. But what I, what I do push back on is the frivolity that people think that golf is – Golf is a multi-billion-dollar industry that employs a ton of people uh, at all different levels, including Graham McDowell's brother, who works maintenance at Royal Port Rush. They're shuttered right now, so Graham McDowell could give you ninety minutes of really, really thoughtful, yeah. deep probing discussion about the impact. And this is not a telethon, but uh, what I'm saying right. is that these players are. They're interesting. They've led. They've led lives of 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 a singular pursuit that have that have only been probably possible with tremendous sacrifice on the parts of a lot of other people who never swing the club. And at this time, I think these videos, like what Tony Fina did with his wife the other night, it made me smile. Yeah, it made me smile. Um, I, I think that's. That's been a benefit of this situation, and I haven't I haven't seen what other sports are doing, but I saw we actually on the Golf Central hit that I did today with Todd Lewis, we actually showed the Mike Trout, you know, kind of semi flop shot from the top of his cascading staircase, uh, right into that one red solo. Cup, yeah, 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 I saw uh, that. The floor that. below, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I think all this stuff, uh, it, it's it's a diversion, uh, it's a respite, and. It's a tapestry that that I think can be helpful for all of us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know the thing is is that people casual followers of golf that don't really quite get like I mean gosh the the corn ferry tour guys mini tour guys the, oh. you know collegiate players they just assume that if you say you're a professional golfer in the PG tour that you have those you know uh, uh, you know private flights and and everyone's taking care of stuff for you and you're and you're loaded and. And yeah, that that really is an interesting one. I'd be very fascinated to talk to Graham McDowell because on one side he's a, you know, major championship winner, has played all over the world, but now he's also a small business owner that has to probably figure out how he's going to keep waiters and waitresses um, paid. So there's both ends of the spectrum there, which would be kind of interesting to uh, 
to get to. So yeah, if you talk to him, you got to ask that. That'd be that'd be a fascinating one right there. Well, you know, it, and like you said, Ben, and I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, that this is, and again, that's what we do. We play the hits. We we you know we 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 talk about stars. We talk about people who are leading golf tournaments. You win a golf tournament now on the PGA Tour, it's a million and change, million five, you know, two, two seven. Yeah. Uh, if it's the players, but but here here's an example. I, I don't know anything about him. Um, Brett Stegmeyer was 75th on the Corn Ferry Tour money list last year, and why did I mention? Well, because that, as you know, conditional status. Yeah. Uh, you know there is there is some. Um, you know, oxygen with respect to starts. Brett Stegmeyer last year made $83,000. He's 36 years old. He, he, he went to the University of Florida. I talked to Brett Stegmeyer for an hour right now about what he's doing. Yeah. Um, you know, w- w- what it is that, that he's thinking about, uh, how he's occupying his time. Give everybody a sense of how does that $83,000, and I'm not trying to probe into his personal finances, but you know, yeah, a lot of these guys bunk up together. They may, you know, share cars together. Um, they're trying to get the cheapest flights they can. Um, I, I'd spend an hour talking to him right now. There's just all sorts of interesting conversations that can happen. Um, well, let's let's pivot and tell some fun stories about some of the things. <laughs> I know we're getting we're, we're solving world's problems right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're this close to getting a stimulus package. So, oh, there you did that. Okay. Anyway, uh, moving on. Um, tell me about one of the perks of your gig is you are on site at PGA Tour events, and I'm guessing you've wandered yourself into a pairings party where there's some live music being played or maybe a pro-am. They need, a, they need an extra guy, and you slip into one of those. Give me a story about one of those spots that you fell into, and you're looking around and saying, how the hell did I get here? Uh, I'll, you know what? And, and this is, this is, look, I, I am I'm very, very, you know, fortunate uh, to, 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 to work in the toy department of life. Yeah. I we mean, we I, know I, you I, don't I've deserve it. it. Yeah. We know you don't deserve it. It's fine. No, but I, yes, I do not. <laughs> very undeserving. That is, that is, now that, now that is empirical data. Uh, <laughs> I, I do not deserve this. Um, I, 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 you know, I've been, I've played in, you know, a, a, a fair number of, of PGA tour, uh, pro-ams, but I, in 2012, um, I was invited. I was, I was very lucky. Uh, well, here's what happened. Um, Richmond, which is the conglomerate, um, that, that Johan Rupert oversees. That's, that's his, that, that is his business um, empire. And that includes some of the great, uh, brands globally, particularly when it comes to timepieces, Cartier, IWC. Anyway, Richmond bought Peter Millar. And, and so Peter Millar is part of their portfolio. I've worn, uh, Peter Millar clothing, uh, starting with the first season of, of morning drive in 2011. Well, in the aftermath of that acquisition, Scott Mahoney, who still runs Peter Millar, uh, said, why don't you come down and, and play a place where you used to work at Seminole. Johan would like to you know, play around a golf with you, watch his golf channel. So this was, this was the spring. This was March of 2012. So I, I have one of those lunar eclipse days where – I actually 
posted a score. I made six birdies that day. Whoa. And Scott and I walked in, Johan Rupert um, and Bob Ford, of all people. Of uh, we, we closed them out. We started on 10. Uh, we closed them out with three to go. By the way, Bob made a two on nine, the par five, our last hole of the day, and basically called it. It was 238. Even though the match was over, I still give him credit for the shot. Holy shit. <laughs> he said, he said, I said, what are you going to do here? He said, well, I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit this five wood. And I've just got to try to, I've just got to try to kind of saw it between those two palm trees. And it was a, it was a back right pin. And he hit this little Chardonnay cut that, that hit the middle of the green, three hops and disappeared. And I went, Jesus God. Anyway, <laughs> so so during the course of that day, Johan is who's a really he, he doesn't just he's not just the godfather to so many South African golfers. He loves golf, loves to compete, loves to play. And um when it was over, he 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 said to me, he goes, you know, he goes, the fact that you didn't even ask about the Dunhill links gives you a reasonable shot to one day maybe even play in it, which is the equivalent of playing in the Pebble, Pebble Beach, Beach yeah. AT&T Pro-Am, which is the Rota. It's, an, it's, it's a fall event on the European tour. It's St. Andrews, Carnoustie, and Kings Barnes. So I just kind of I, – I, I tried to add composed um, and, and left not thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to play there someday. Well, I got an invitation, and I, I went and I played – in the Dunhill links in the fall of 2012. And then it was the most obscene display of decadence that I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, 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 every time I'm not, this is not a joke. Every single solitary time I walked in my room at the old course hotel. Yep. Stayed there. There was at least two gifts on my bed. I'm like, where are they? How are they getting in my room? I don't care. They can keep coming. And, and it, it included when I, when I was going to miss the cut miserably with my professional partner, who was 19 at the time, Hayden Porteous, who is you know, doing okay on the European tour. He was 19 at the time. Uh, our last round in our rota was Carnoustie. Um, and by the way, uh, flew on a helicopter from the entrance to the old course hotel up the Scottish coastline and landed at Carnoustie 12 minutes later. Uh, but when we made the turn, Scott Mahoney, who was kind of, you know, my conciliary, you know, he was also there playing, he was playing with, um, uh, gosh, who was he playing with? Uh, uh, Tunjay Jaidee, okay, who was a great guy. We yeah. actually were paired with him the last day. So, Scott, he's going to miss the cut, too. And there was a big backup on on what was the first tee. We started on 10. He said, how are you getting home? I said, Scott, I've got a, I've got a flight tomorrow. I've got a flight tomorrow night. And I, I had, like, it was, it was Edinburgh to Gatwick, Gatwick to Kennedy, Kennedy to Orlando. Oh, God. He said, oh, okay. On the next tee... He comes over to me, goes, you're all set. Be in the lobby of the hotel at 11 a.m. On Sunday, we were missing cut. Right. And and so I, I, I put my hand out. I meet this gentleman. I'm going to say his name and proceeded to get on his plane at the air station right across from um, the estuary that separates uh, the old course and what was you, what used to be a British air station, which has been decommissioned. Right, right, right. There's some private aircraft can still fly out of there. 
and and flew on a G5. Shit. Um, back we were supposed to have to refuel in nova scotia but the 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 jet stream was so good we zipped right into long island uh in about four hours and 10 minutes uh right from st andrews and um you know i had a nice lunch (laughs) (laughs) and then my wife just had to get me a flight from LaGuardia to Orlando, and I didn't care if it was two days later. Well, you've done it. We're—I don't know how far we into this. We are into this episode, but everyone hates you now. So good job. I, I know. I mean, good I job. Know. That's okay. I—I—I I, did. I did. I did. I put you in that spot. I did. I thought you were going to say, "Ah, I listened to Darius Rucker play some songs, and I got a gift bag." But no, I, I did that too at the oh, CBS Journey Classic. Here we go. Here <laughs> we go. <laughs> Just digging you a hole, and you're just jumping no, no, in like, and spreading like I, over your face. Look, you've already said the most factual thing. I don't deserve it. Oh. I don't deserve any of it. That's okay. That's okay. No, you got to take that <laughs> shit, man. If someone says, get on my flight, hey, yeah, absolutely. Um, how were the peanuts? Peanuts or pretzels on that flight? Uh, you know, the, 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 the flight attendant, and I'm not joking, there was one. This is great. You, you see, I'm, I'm actually keep setting you up to dig yourself deeper, <laughs> and you still haven't figured that out yet, and you're there, still there doing no, it. There were no, there were no peanuts. I uh-huh. think we started with cured meats uh, and, and, and <laughs> some really good cheeses. Wow. And yeah. then we just went, and then we we just escalated from there. You're uh, you're a handsome man. That's uh, that's good for you. It's <laughs> uh, really good. Um, all right, so let's see here. Uh, you've kind of answered a couple of the little, I, I was going to say, someone in the golf world that really lived up to your expectations when you met them. If you take Palmer out of it, someone mm-hmm. uh, who anyone fits that mold? Someone that really, when you met him, you're like, wow, that is that is as advertised, that guy. Um, or I, you know, I'll tell you, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you somebody who, um, and this, this, this is not something that – has been an enlightenment in the last year because he won the U S open. I, I was, I was in a position, you know, six, seven years ago, he had won the Valspar, uh, Gary Woodland. He had not yet won, um, what is the Barracuda now? Um, he had one win. And anyway, I, I, I found myself, um, with him in a, in a social situation that, that extended beyond, uh, an evening. It was, it was, it was a weekend with some other friends, uh, and he and his now wife, Gabby were part of it. And I thought, and still do, I think Gary Woodland's one of the most solid people, uh, that I've met in sports and in my career. He is, um, he's not only, you know, a complete, you know, sports junkie, he's a bona fide you know, athlete. I think sometimes we, we confuse fitness with athleticism. Right. Um, and that included, I, you know, it was over the course of this, this time that I was with them, um, you know, shot baskets threw a football, um, and you know, went rope climbing, and, but, but, but it, forget all that stuff. Gary Woodland was, again, he had won on the PGA tour, but, but he did not have, he didn't have, a, you know, 250 cuts, in a, in a massive pension. Right. Um, he, he was, he was at that time, uh, Gabby was not even his fiance. Gabby's a great athlete too. Um, Gary Woodland is the real thing. I was, I was like, God, what a good dude. And, and look, when you find uh, common interests like sports and I've, I've always loved college basketball, uh, not only being born in the state of North Carolina, but spending a lot of years covering the ACC, um, 
I, I, you know, I, I love talking to him about, about playing college basketball, but forget that. Just talking to him about, about all different types of stuff. He is, he is, he's the real thing. Yeah. I, uh, I went to see, I, I went to Kansas, so I've spent every summer of my childhood out, out of Kansas. So yeah, I've, I've met him. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, I've think I, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but I don't know if I told you about, um, I got to know his, his college coach, Ross Randall down, uh, here in Palm beach at uh, quail Ridge. And, um, it was just random. Like I, I, thought it would be a bright idea when I was 19 years old when I transferred over to Kansas like hey let's find out if I could walk onto the golf team and uh you know that because you know you're 19 and smart and sure yeah um, and uh and he politely said hey you know enjoy your time here and good luck and uh but yeah we're, 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 we're pretty good yeah, kind of we we're, we're all stuck yeah, up here. yeah we're, we're good yeah we want a big eight conference without you we'll probably do the same thing in next uh, this year but Fast forward 20 years later, I'm talking to a buddy of mine at the club, and, and he's telling me about this guy he's working with that used to be the coach at Kansas. I'm like, are you talking about Ross Randall? He's like, how in the hell do you know that name? So I tell that story, and finally I get to meet him and get to know him. And, you know, he was watching me, uh, you know, play a couple times. He's like, wow, if you could do that shit 20 years ago, I might have put you on the team. But, <laughs> you know, fast forward, his uh, widow, uh, Linda, she listens to the podcast, and she's like, hey, KU's playing uh, one of those, you know, holiday silly season like four team uh, college basketball little invitationals down in Miami do you want to go I'm like yeah sure and she's like great you're driving I'm like okay fine and we get there and uh and Gary and Gabby are there and meet him for the first time oh nice to meet you and what does Linda do Ben tell Gary the story of how you tried to walk onto the Kansas golf team and I'm like really you're making me do this so I had to tell wow. I had to tell that story to Gary Woodland while he's kind of smiling and laughing and giving me the time of day saying who the hell is this idiot and like really you tried to do that but yeah he he does seem like an ex- extremely solid person and yeah I, I think also you don't know him until you probably talk to him and listen to him do interviews because he always looks so intense and just not pleased with things on the golf course. That's always been my my sense about him on on the on when you see him tele uh, when you see it televised. He just doesn't really look pleased. He's got a um, not in a nasty way, but he's got a he's he's an athlete. He's got a chip. Yeah, athletes athletes who who you know if if you're someone like him who who again he wanted to play basketball at Kansas and you know the culture there because you went there, uh, you know. Kirk Heinrich plays basketball at Kansas. Yeah. Gary Woodland does not. He plays college basketball at Washburn. Um, but 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 when you're a kid who who you know grows up in in Wichita and you're damn good at that sport, you you got a chip. And and I think that 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 manifests itself in the way that he. he he comports himself, and that goes beyond what you think his face looks like. He walks like somebody who is – first of all, he walks like an athlete. He's got a saunter uh, to him that is – you know, he's he is, you know, chin out, chest out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to – you know, I'm just – I'm going to present myself in a way that just so you know, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, you know, it's easy for me to say, you know, Rory, but I will say with respect to him, he's, he is the real thing. Um, He is, he is somebody who, um, considering his upbringing as an only child whose parents, you know, you know, did everything they could to provide him with every opportunity 
to pursue the dream that was his. Um, he has he has qualities that are very unusual. Forget only children who don't necessarily become high achievers. I'm talking about just only children. Uh, he is the first time I spent time with him. He was he had melted down at Augusta in 2011, and yeah. I spent more than a half a day with him doing a thing for morning drive. I caddied for him in the pro am at Memorial in 2011. It was his second event after that. He had played in Charlotte, and um, I, everyone was like, "What was he like? What was he like?" And I said, "He's a great listener." Now, if you're a great listener, that means you're unselfish. It means that you you're you you're inclined and reflexively you are thinking about either the other person or other people in your company. And and I was very struck by that. That hadn't changed. Um, he's got a very curious, thoughtful mind. Uh, he's got great intentions. And I told his father, I saw his father about seven or eight weeks ago, and I and I, I've been around Jerry too and Rosie. And, and they're wonderful people. Every time I see Jerry McElroy, the first thing he always says to me is, how's Julie and the girls? Yeah. Because I was over in, at the Grand Slam of golf uh, in 2011 because he had won that U.S. Open. And, and my wife wound up uh, dancing with him late at night at the nightclub at the hotel. <laughs> and anyway, they're, they're great. Anyway, but 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 I said to him, I said, you know, you should I said, you should be really proud of him. And I know you are. But but because. He's got he's 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 not advancing himself to advance himself. He's advancing himself from an intellectual standpoint and from a a personal growth standpoint that is going to make his marriage in all likelihood healthier. And in turn, you know, when he when the, he and Erica have a family uh, and, and that I never talk golf when I'm around him. I'm a, not around him much. The last time I was around him of any note was last year in Rhode Island when he when he went and played in that CBS thing for Brad. And I walked nine holes with him, and all we did was talk about kids in high school. And he doesn't have children, but I have children right, right. who are in high school, and that's all we talked about. It almost feels like he realizes that he is he wants to measure himself against how he progresses as a, a person, as a role model, as an athlete, and another extra majors or another extra wins that that's not going to get him there and and money's, no. and money's not going to get him there and, no, and all that you're stuff. right yeah you're right he is he is first of all um and and, and this is something that that you know I, I i'm i think a lot of people and, and people in golf do feel this and have this he has he 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 really does have a sense of gratitude, but that gratitude is being exercised in, in a way that that he is he's advancing himself in terms of trying to understand things, you know, but by by virtue of relationships, including one that that is is somebody that you spent time with, Jimmy Dunn. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy's sons are roughly of Rory's age. They they got along well early on, which in turn uh, fostered a relationship with Rory and Jimmy that allowed Rory to be more enlightened um, to, to corporate America. But, but he didn't just take advantage of it in terms of saying, well, I can tap into that when it comes to this, but no, no, no. Right. I've, I've watched the way that he has tried to understand like human healthcare and the American healthcare system. 
Uh, and I had a conversation with him and a guy that uh, works with Optum, who is one of his sure, guy named yeah. Jeff Rhodes, who was a guy when Rory introduced me to him, he said, this is the this is the smartest guy who ever graduated from Harvard Business School. I said, no, that's not true because my dad went to Harvard <laughs> Business School. So that right there is a lie. Uh, but anyway, you know, Jeff Rhodes is a young man who is a brilliant guy, obviously. But but that's the kind of – I mean he's not – he doesn't waste time. He's, he's, a, he's a productive person. Forget production of top fives. I'm talking about, you know, take, take the day. Make something of the day, yeah, um, and not just selfishly. Uh, he's he's uh, he's a damn gift, yeah, to, to, yeah. to Jay Monahan and the PGA oh, Tour God, professional yeah. golf. Oh shit, yeah. Well, you know, and it's kind of like I, I'm, and this is kind of we're. I mean, this is the first time we're talking about Tiger. Um, mm. We've well, I mean, the thing I'm the reason I'm bringing it up is that, and I just kind of this kind of hit me is that it's always been for the last however long it's 10, 15, whatever it is, it's like Tiger going to catch Jack, 18 majors, 18 majors. Eight, and that's all we talk, you know, that's all that's, that we've got to measure that. we got to make sure that we, we, we stand on one side or the other of is Tiger going to catch Jack? Is he better than Jack? Is Jack better than Tiger? And maybe Rory's the guy that's going to say, hey, I, I am not going to be defined by a couple numbers um, on a record book that is not going to make me a better person. It may make me better in the record books, but who is that really for? So maybe mm -hmm. maybe our target or maybe their targets are going to be like, I want to be a more well-rounded person because that's what matters, not some number. And maybe that's a lesson to be learned by seeing what Tiger had to do in his life to get to that point. Tiger seems, I, a, hell, I, Tiger seems yeah. a hell of a lot more happy with life right now. And sure, you know he wants to get to 18, but... Uh, you know, is that, is that the end all be all? I don't know. Yeah. Ben, I, I, I you know, look, I, T Tiger Woods will be, is, uh, will be uh, forevermore. One of the most curious, fascinating studies of, of a global athlete in, in the history of mankind. I mean, he just, he just will be, he's a genius. Uh, geniuses are unusual. And, you know, look, and part of why there, there's always going to be a curiosity is that there's a strong possibility that, that even when he writes his own memoir, now I'm encouraged because I'm hearing the possibility that J.R. Mooringer may be the person who constructs the book. Now, J.R. Mooringer is the guy who wrote Open with Andre Agassi, one of the yeah, great yeah. sports and period biographies you're ever going to read. Uh, now, now. Andre Agassi was willing to be very open. Uh, I don't know how successful Jr. will be. He's a great writer. When I read Open, I then read his memoir called Tender Bar, which won the Pulitzer. I've read Sutton, which is the story of Willie Sutton, the famous bank robber. I don't know, but but back to Tiger. I, look, there is a um, there is an identity. I think that he was he was the most comfortable. Uh, in the electronic age of, of being identified as Tiger Woods, first the golfer. Now, has that, has that reaped um, some destruction uh, upon him personally? It appears that it has. And again, you extrapolate what you can 
from from various books, whether the Armin contained Jeff Benedict book, which I read, which I thought was good, and I just most recently read Michael Bamberger's forthcoming yeah, book, read, Tiger's Second that. Life. You'll you'll like it. And again, Michael Michael is a wonderful writer, but he's also a very sensible person, and he and you know he 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 talks about um, the PEDs, and 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 he he says very clearly, he says, look. If you're not interested in this subject matter, and again, it's conjecture, it's speculation. He said that the the primary person that that would be, you know, the the, the the witness to this is a person who, quite frankly, is not very believable. But a lot of people in baseball do find him to be credible as a, as a witness to to whatever. The point is, Michael even said he said, look, if you're not interested in this. Go to page 94. I mean, he literally writes it in the book. <laughs> and then awesome. at the end of the section about it, he says, here's the thing. I'm done with this. If you thought he did before, you probably still do. If you weren't sure, you're probably, you're probably likely still not sure. And if you didn't think he did, you most certainly still don't think that he did. There's a, there's a pragmatism to the way that he writes about that. And then the exploration of, of addiction issues, which again, we only know what we know. Um, but, but, Back to what you were saying is that he had a predatorial quality to him that that required an unrelenting degree of selfishness, which has to be inherent in in golfers to some degree in order to do what it is that they do. Rory, Rory, I think, grew up kind of thinking that's what I want. And I'll never forget when he was introduced as a, quote, Nike athlete. It was in the Middle East. It was the beginning of 2013, and it was a laser light show. And I went, e- this doesn't look like doesn't him. Look like that, right. he's, not, he's not walking as if this is his vibe. Um, and I, I said at the end of last year when he won the tour championship and then proceeded to go satisfy a, uh, an obligation for Omega to play literally the following week in Switzerland, gotten in the playoff, didn't win the golf tournament, but, but plowed the field. A lot of more, a lot more top fives. Won that HSBC was closing the gap with Kepka. That at thirty, I, I thought coming into this year, he was in the quietest place, the most comfortable place that he's been in in his professional life. Um, and he's going to be thirty-one at the beginning of May. It's interesting. Justin Thomas, Kepka, and Rory all have birthdays within a week of each other. Um, one Thomas twenty-seven, Rory thirty-one, Kepka thirty. Uh, anyway, but but I think that 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 Tiger is comfortable and has always been as comfortable as anybody could be. Saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm Tiger Woods, the golfer, the brand, the the empire." Whereas with Rory, he went wait a second. I, I, golf's really important. I'm competitive, but I'm more and, than and that. I think he's he's trying to be trying to to exercise selfishness and 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 grit. And I thought that he showed that at the Tour Championship by taking a haymaker in Memphis from Kepka and, and, and punching back uh, and winning that golf tournament and saying, yeah, 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 you know, I heard what you said about me not winning a major <laughs> yeah. since you've been on the PGA tour. I'm not going to talk about it, but everybody needs fuel. But Tiger is, um, I don't know, you know, Ben, it's, it's look, he'll always be the most fascinating person. And then I, 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 there are a lot of people, there's a fatigue to it. I understand that. But it's 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 irrefutable. The interest level in him 
is so astronomically higher than it is for anybody else. And, and you know, I'm sure you hear this. Stuff, but that's all you do. That's all you do. That's all you do. Um, it's not. But yes, he leads. He's the top of the marquee. And he's going to be as long as he plays competitive golf to whatever, you know, level of acumen that he does it. And I, you know, I will say this, and, and Jaime Diaz said it before I, I did. Um, he said, you know, the Masters was amazing. And Ben, I walked every step that Sunday. I did it with Ben Dawn, who's a producer for Golf Central, one of the best producers in our building. And Ben was going to drive back to Orlando because of the, the you know, the, what happened that day. And they were going to tee off just after 9 a.m. They were going off split tees and threes. Right. So Ben, come on. Come on. Come on. Come with me. Come, I was going, I was going anyway. I was going to walk with that group. I said, look, just come and walk five holes and then get in your car. What are you, you going to, what difference does it make? Right. He went, all right. So we, we go out and we're there on the first tee and I have a little black leather bound notebook that I, I keep notes in. Um, I charted every shot and time stamped it in his relation to, uh, the lead, uh, and, and also was chronicling obviously, cause he was with Molinari and Finau and obviously Kepka and DJ and Cantley were ahead of him. Um, anyway, Tiger bogeyed four and five and Ben was like, I'm out. I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't come on. Yeah. And it wasn't like I knew anything, but, but, you know, he had a, you know, Molinari, you know, kind of smothered one on seven Tiger, you know, peeled one down the right-hand side and made birdie there. And then it was kind of game on. And then when, when, you know, what happened at 12, sure. you're at the turning point on 13 when his back foot slipped and, you know, a ball turned over and he gutted it in the, you know, the, the center left side of that fairway, bottom of the fairway. Anyway, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but Jaime said, you know, for all that the masters was for whatever reason, Zozo and the president's cup invigorated my belief in him even more. And I went, you know what? I think you're right because there was a freedom there. There was look what he did that steely 70 that he posted and to see it and to, to watch it and to consume. It was one of the great sporting experiences of my life, but from a zillion miles away to see the freedom that he was releasing the club and the putter and taking it deep at Zozo and carrying, pulling the sled from the first round yeah. all the way to that final putt and then going to the President's Cup and basically painting pictures and every pane in that that window was open. All nine windows, low, middle, high, left, right, center. I'm like, holy crap. This is, I mean, Van Gogh is back in the building. Here. Yeah, yeah, I was. And, it, and, it, and then, and then. Even even farmers where it wasn't a great week, but it was cold and it was damp. I watched him and I went, he's visualizing stuff in the air that w was still like the President's Cup. And then all of a sudden, Riviera happens. He, he plays the first eight holes flawlessly. And then he hit this clunky kind of bladed wedge to the back of the ninth green. And all of a sudden, it went directly in the other direction. It's he's, It's like a... It's it's like a riddle wrapped in an enigma. I mean, yeah. it's bizarre. Well, I, I don't he, well, know. Well, he's on he's on borrowed time. I mean, I I've yeah. said I've said to people, I said, look, I mean, you know, when they're oh, is he, Tiger, I, I'm I, Tiger's going to win this. Tiger, I said, look, I don't know anyone that has had that kind of surgeries, that many surgeries. There at any moment, it's gone. 
Like I, I would not be shocked and, and gosh, hope I'm wrong, but I would not be shocked if at some point he's playing some tournament and a foot slips or this happens and that's it. And, yeah. and, and just, you know, and people yeah. probably need to be aware of that. Like every time you see him tee it up, don't expect a miracle. Be You're great, right. be grateful for what you get to see. And if you see something amazing, remember it because the next time he, you know, fans a drive into the rough and it's three inches deep and there's a root under there or God knows what, and that's it. And instead of talking about, oh, how are we going to measure him and is he going to win and all oh, the, the chasing Jack, we, we are getting a gift to see him a few more times and just enjoy, enjoy what we have. No, you're, you no, you're absolutely right. I, it's not, it's not, you know, age is one thing, but the, the miles on his odometer, yeah. uh, in terms of, of all the procedures and look, this is a guy who, you know, anybody who, who has taken any interest at all in, in the way that he goes about what he does. Um, he's maniacal in preparation. Uh, the, the number of balls that he has hit in his lifetime, uh, you know, I know the thing with VJ is, is, is what it is, but also Ben, to me, the other thing that I'll never forget this, I was sitting in the media center at the, what is now the Wells Fargo championship. This was 2008 and Trevor Immelman had just won the masters and Tiger finished second. Um, and he had a, he had, he had like a zillion putts in that final round. But anyway, Trevor Trevor had begged out of the previous week, which was New Orleans, because he was still tired. And he came to the media center. He's playing in Charlotte. Um, his good friends in Charlotte. Uh, his parents wound up actually moving to Charlotte. Anyway, I'll never forget sitting in there. And he sat down. He looked exhausted. And he had been off for three weeks. Now, this was a prodigy. This was somebody who was a high achiever at a very young age, had won the Western Open. And, and again, yeah, it was a major breakthrough and I don't know, pun intended, but, but, you know, Trevor Immelman was a very good professional golfer and he was very, still very, very young at the time. This was 12 years ago and he walked in and he sat down and there were a few questions asked. And then he, he kind of went off on a tangent and he said, he kind of put his hand on his forehead and put his elbow on the table. And he said, I gotta be honest. I don't know how Tiger has done this for all these years. Yeah. Meaning not only does he win, what, what comes with winning is, is accolades, money, trappings. It also comes all this exhaustive, tedious responsibility. And, and here is Trevor Immelman experiencing it for the first time, and right. it wound up being the only time. And he went, I just don't know how he does what he does. Yeah. There, there's, there's something maniacal about somebody who, who – how can the guy who's the best, who's done the most, still remain the most desperate? Okay, that's not normal. Right. It's not normal. It wasn't normal of Michael Jordan. It's not normal of him. And I admire that. And again, I don't know what toll that's taken on him, you know, intellectually and emotionally and spiritually. Clearly, we've seen what it's done to his body physically. But very few athletes in the history of forget our lifetimes in in time can ever be the best for that long and never be satisfied and always be the most desperate. He should be Brett Stegmeyer. 
Yeah. That's how he acts as if he is, if I don't make this cut for the 142nd straight time, I will not pay my mortgage. No, 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 that's not that. You've never even cast a check of any wins and you have 82 of them. Yeah. I mean, how's that possible? <laughs> that's a, that's a drive. That's both admirable and confusing and, and disturbing. Yes. <laughs> um, wow. I feel we now, can, let me oh, let me ask you so let me oh, let me sure. let me ask you something you because can. you you mentioned you mentioned him um earlier um you talked to Jack Nicholas recently I did and I I I you know I I've, I've been lucky to share some time with him over over the years well, give me give me give me a capsule of what was that like Really, really special where um, it was obviously, it was, gosh, it was probably, you know, it was February 5th, not that I remember it, but yeah, it was February 5th. And uh, since I'm down here in Palm Beach, um, you know, it worked out where I got to go to his house. And um, just an incredible morning, you know, I get there and, and him and Barbara are doing a interview for someone I believe is attached to their foundation. So I get there and I'm kind of waiting a little bit, but they're in the kitchen and they're offering me coffee and we're, we're talking a little bit. And, um, and then we go back into, um, we go back into his, uh, his office. And actually what was really funny is, or just really incredible is, and I mentioned it in the, the preview to the episode, but, um, you know, my dad actually passed away on the day of the Tiger Rocco Monday playoff in the 08 U S open. Okay. So, um, on the drive up, I was just thinking, man, my dad would just lose his mind if he saw where I was driving to, where I was going. <laughs> I was going to go sit down and and have a chat with Jack Nicholas. Yep. And my dad's name was Ira, not a very common name. And I can't remember the exact context, and I can't remember who said it, but I believe it was someone there that worked for the foundation. And they said to either Jack or Barbara, they said something like. Hey, are we still on for Ira? Is is are we, is Ira still coming by, or is that the, are we still having dinner with Ira later? And I literally got chills and kind of froze up, and I was like, "This is going to be a good day." I said, "This is this is going to work out good." And we we went into his office, and he was he was great. And we, you know, I tried to, you know, I, I listened actually to many uh interviews that he'd done and did a lot of reading and, and actually uh listened to i think i think jaime did something at a gosh i can't remember where it was it was like an hour and a half like q a fireside chat kind of a thing that he did at some sort of an auditorium watched that whole thing and really tried to challenge myself to ask him something different that maybe hasn't been asked we did not talk 86 masters we did not talk tiger woods once um and he was great and just really human moments just a and he was so just so humble and so honest and just i'm a guy that used to play golf and now i i help i do things with this foundation and i'm trying to be a good father and a good grandfather and just the i guess just very human moments i was just really <sighs> i just was really um it was just an honor and just, it was fun to just be in his presence and just a guy of such a wealth of knowledge. I mean, he's rattling off names of his Walker cup teammates from 61 and, and just, it was just a lot of fun, but just a guy that's like, that got to do all these incredible things. And also someone that was like, doesn't like the hero worship. 
doesn't like to he doesn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable he doesn't want to be made made to feel uncomfortable just because he's jack nicholas and and that's great yeah i mean that's kind of how that's kind of how i took you know i'm walking out of the house he's kind of walking me out like i just came over for like a, a afternoon lunch and and just it was great and one of the best parts was we walk out of the office and i was told i had 30 minutes he gave me an hour and yeah. that was, yeah. And, and, and that, and even afterwards, I just, you know, said, you know, I tried, I said, it's funny. I talked to a lot of friends that I knew I was coming here today and, you know, everyone's like, Oh, well, well what are you going to ask? And I was like, well, that's, that's kind of a challenge. Cause you don't want to ask Jack Nicholas the same stuff he's been asked before. And he's like, Oh no, you did great. And that was fun to hear that. But one of the great things about coming out of that, uh, out of his office is Barbara's there and she's like, well, how was he? What did he behave himself? And I'm like, oh, Barbara. I mean, just the the raunchy jokes and the cussing. And then he gets, and then he got the bourbon out. And she's like, he found my bourbon. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> so it's just a sweet. I mean, honestly, if you don't know, it's just a sweet old couple that live in a nice development in Palm Beach. And they're great. That's a bit, yeah. And they're great. And my 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 feeling with him through through the years is first of all I, I always thought I've always thought this you know he used to uh, and actually one of the guys who was one of the lead producers for ABC's golf uh, team which was a great team which I grew up that was that was I mean my my indoctrination to golf on television was Jim McKay yeah. as the host of, of golf. And, you know, they had the U S open package and they had the PGA championship um, and, and, you know, a handful of other events, but, but it was Jack was Jack was contracted uh, with ABC to contribute uh, analysis and he would play competitive rounds. He was still, you know, playing some on the PGA tour and he would go up in the booth and I thought he was unmatched and it wasn't, because he was Jack Nicholas, you know, the greatest player, you know, who, who had ever played the PGA tour. It was because there was, there was an insightfulness and a, and a, a decisiveness to that he cut through all this clutter um, that, that, you know, as somebody who's, who's, you know, really falling in love with the game of golf uh, was like, what an interesting thought. And again, yeah, he just played the golf course, but it was so, it was such next level stuff. And Jack Graham, who's been a longtime producer for golf and golf channel was one of the producers. And, you know, he's told me it was, you know, it was an extraordinary experience to, 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 to literally work with this man in, in, in television who was still, you know, a, a competitive golfer. Um, and I, I, my, my feeling with him when I've had the chance, uh, been lucky enough to, to, to do some one-on-one stuff with him, not only for golf channel, but also for some private function is a lot of times, especially in like the last five years, he'll say to me, Gary, what are you going to ask me? And as soon as I start to tell him, he'll say, I'll just ask me anything. Right. I'm telling you, Ben, he does not, he'll, he'll say that. And then when you tell, ah, just ask me anything, but, but then what I found, like to your own experience, the 30 minutes became an hour, his competitiveness, because it's not really so much on the tennis court, let alone the golf course anymore. Okay. I'm going to, when I answer this, I'm going to give you the best damn answer you could ever have. And it's not pontificating. No. There is a, there's a digging in thoughtfulness that it's like, whatever you ask me, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the best effort that I can give you. 
and and by the way, speaking of you know, we were talking about athletes. Now Jack Nicholas was an athlete, oh, yeah. still is. Yeah. Uh, you know, at 80 years of age, but but you know, high school basketball player. Really, you know, was was and I'm reading a book right now by David Epstein called Range, and it's a, it's it's basically about how generalists can thrive in a specialized world. Jack Nicholas was not a specialist when he was a little kid. He did everything. Yeah. Did everything. His Baseball, dad Charlie yeah. said, You're gonna you know, you throw snowballs and, and go ice skating and you're gonna play basketball and you know, you wanna play football, you know, and he was a big burly kid and he did everything and he had a, he had a proclivity to do all of it. And he's competitive, obviously, still is. And he's competitive with the way that he uses his mind to answer questions like the ones that you asked him. Yeah. Yeah. I I uh I love the you know what's so crazy is that Jack Nicholas has 18 majors didn't really realize that that was a thing until someone pointed out to him that he yeah. passed Bobby Jones so the guy that Tiger is chasing didn't really realize what he was building when he did it correct and so I, find, yeah. I always find that kind of unique and, and interesting where we're Tiger's chasing this number everyone wants Tiger to chase this number we're, we're so fixated on a number that the guy that said it didn't really uh, it just kind of i mean it happened but it wasn't like uh, uh, i gotta get to 18 i gotta get to this and of course jack will tell you that it's 20 because they took his u.s amboys oh yeah so he'll he that's it's a big one well venturi on the cbs telecast in 86 when he holed out made par on 18 and you know put his arm around jackie's shoulder yeah. ken venturi said to pat summerall he just won his 20th major yeah <laughs> yep. And by the way, at Oak Hill, where he won that PGA in 1980, yep. after winning the U.S. Open, that was the first major I went to. I went to the opening round with my dad. Oh, nice. And I wanted to follow Jack. My dad said, Gary, you're not going to see any shots. There's the gallery be too big. And I'm like, well, who are we going to follow? And, you know, I'd already seen Crenshaw. It was my guy. My day was already made. But he said, why don't we follow? Fuzzy Zeller was paired with Tom Weiskopf. Fuzzy had won the Masters in 79. I went, okay. Well, Weisskopf has shot 63, and we saw my dad. My dad had had a golden horseshoe shoved up his backside, <laughs> in, in life. Right. And he also worked his ass off, but nonetheless. And Jack shot 63, three groups behind. But anyway, uh, when I went to Oak Hill in advance of the 2013 PGA Championship, I'm walking around, and they've got a lot of obviously giant oak trees, and um, they they have small little placards little little plaques that are uh fixed to a lot of those giant trees that ring some of the closing holes yeah and i'm, I'm stumbling around walking around doing a site survey and i just happened upon the tree that had uh the, the, the denoting congratulations to jack nicholas on his 19th major yes. the 1980 yes. pga championship that tree at Oak Hill, I'm sure it still has that thing affixed to it. Yeah, took a picture of it. That's awesome. Yep, that's right. 19, and then Jack in '86. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and and uh, finish this this episode, which I have a feeling we may need to do another one at some point. But you mentioned yes. you mentioned Crenshaw, and uh, Crenshaw was definitely oh Crenshaw was definitely one of my guys as well because I, you know, obviously. I mean, everyone remembers 95, uh, you know, on the uh, heels of his uh, uh, mentor and coach, uh, Harvey Penick, passing away. And then obviously his, his win at Augusta in 84. 
but um give me a good uh give me a good crenshaw story to wrap this up oh boy well uh, look i i there are there are a couple things for for my for my you know love affair with sports which began at a very very young age because my father was a my, my dad was a, a pitcher at the university of florida he just didn't have quite the velocity to to be a major league pitcher but had you know really good stuff anyway he was and my dad was you know a high school quarterback in tampa when there were two high schools plant high school and hillsborough high and they play each other in front of fifteen thousand people uh, and so and and my dad my dad was a Yankee fan. He was a Mickey Mantle fan. I grew up, you know, we moved to Northern New Jersey when I was seven. Um, I, and still to this day, I'm a lifelong Yankee fan, New York giant football fan, North Carolina basketball fan. But I have only really, really had one guy that I lived and died with in any sport. And it's Ben Crenshaw. And it, the, the, it started when I, I, my father had a subscription to sports illustrated and Ben was on the cover in 1973. He won his first professional start, the Texas Open. Yep. And, and he was on the cover. And I looked at it and I went, that's that. And I, I love movies and, and did some <laughs> did some some really very pedestrian acting when I was a kid. But nonetheless, I looked at him and I went, that's a Hollywood superstar. And so I I immediately just wanted to, I was seven years old. I, I did everything I could to find out anything I could about him. Um, and he proceeded to break my heart for the very first time at the 1975 U.S. Open when he made double on the 71st hole. Uh, and, and Lou Graham won that U.S. Open yep. at Medina. Uh, and I'm like, okay, okay, that's okay. He's, he's just, I mean, he's, I mean, again, I'm only nine. It's going to be fine. He's going to win 20 of these. Um, no, no, no. Uh, and, and, you know, again, heartbreak after heartbreak, 79, uh, an open championship. And then, and then the, the decade of the eighties starts and, and Ben starts to contend habitually every year at, at the masters. And really, if you look at that decade in total, other than Seve, who won two and had more top fives than Crenshaw, Ben was front and center year in and year out. And 84 was, I was a junior in high school. I had, you know, I had the 8802. I had the, the Walter Hagen. I had the, I, I had the muscle back irons that I had no business hitting. Um, <laughs> but I, I just insisted on trying to be him. And, you know, honestly, if you look at at the subsequent years after, I'm going to get to my quick story in a moment uh, of of winning in 84, which was, again, after all the heartbreak and all the playoff losses and regular tour events as well. Oh, and nine, by the way, all time uh, in playoffs, which shows you that he's the most non-confrontational person maybe ever who's done anything in the game um, because you just, he'd rather just go, why, why don't you just take this win? Um, Cause that's how deferential he is. Anyway, 87, three putted 17 on Sunday, missed the playoff with Norman Mize and Sebi by a shot. 88 in the final group of Sandy Lyle plays poorly, finishes well back 89, Birdie 16 and 17 goes to 18 pipes it dumps it in the front bunker makes bogey misses the playoff with Faldo and Hoke by a shot. I, I'm telling you then I could go on and on and on. Um, but 
after all of these things, and and I had sent a letter or two over the course of my lifetime to, to him, had received a, a few corresponding letters back. Um, it is now the spring of 2011. I've just started a golf channel. Uh, and in advance of the Masters, uh, my coordinating producer at the time, Jeremy Davis, comes to me and says, hey, Pinehurst has reached out to us. They're interested to know if you would like to play with Ben the Monday after the Masters for the grand reopening of number two. Oh my now, gosh. again, to add a couple layers to this, I, I went to golf camp at Pinehurst number two when I was a kid. My father and I, when my parents retired to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, my dad and I would play number two on Christmas Eve every year. So there was, there was an intensely personal thing to this. And then just to put, you know, the, 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 the melancholy, you know, kind of layer on this. My father was terminally ill in April of, of 2011. He had had his kidney removed uh, about three weeks prior to me going down or, or me flying up and my parents driving down. My dad had no business being there, but he wasn't going to miss it. My dad lasted six holes. Um, the pain, he, they, get, they got him a cart. Anyway, I played number two with Ben uh, and Lauren Rubenstein, the wonderful, great writer, uh, from the Toronto Sun and Ron Green Jr. from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, the four of us played. I had a camera crew, captured some great moments. Uh, but the, 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 greatest, the greatest thing that, that happened was Ben and my dad sitting on a bench just off the fifth tee uh, at number two. My father, who was in the paper industry his whole career, um, I mentioned that about two hours ago. Um, he he, one of his biggest customers was Nabisco. Now Ben, yeah, he was wore sponsored. a Nabisco yeah, visor yeah, yeah, for many that. years. Ben had a Nabisco visor on the Sunday of the '89 Masters when it was pouring down rain. Had to throw the visor off on the 16th green because the rain was falling off the end of the the, the brim right. of, of his visor tossed it toward Carl Jackson, made that birdie, birdied 17, then bogeyed 18. Anyway, my dad brought a Nabisco visor that Ben had signed many years before for me. And he brought it and they sat on that bench and they talked about shared relationships with R.J. Reynolds and, Nab and, and Nabisco. Wow. And I have a wonderful picture of the two of them sitting on that bench and I have a picture of the three of us. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's it. That's yeah. it. I mean, that, that is, that is the, my champion in life standing with the only guy that I ever hitched my wagon to in an emotional way that was, that was, you know, for a lifetime. And still to this day, I, I, you know, I root for Ben's success and everything that he does and made the pilgrimage to Sandhills last September for the first time with my best friend, the only place really on my bucket list that I said, I, I, I have a responsibility to go there and it was Mecca. Um, so that, that, and I have, I have the DVD. I have the, I have the disc. I may, I wrapped in a couple of putts early in our round uh, in 2011 on number two with the cameras rolling. I made a putt on two. I made a putt on three. I made about a 12 footer for par on five. And I have Ben Crenshaw on tape saying, You've got a really good stroke. Oh, my you know, God. And I could have walked off right then. <laughs> You're done. I'm done. Sold my golf clubs, left the golf business, and moved to a shack in Idaho. Yeah. Um, That's it. And, You're done. And just become a potato, <laughs> potato farmer. 
not even a farmer. I would have just, you know, just delivered them to whomever. But that that's it. I mean, that that's 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 all I got. And it's 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 as good and as deep and as sweet as anything I could ever hope, hope to have with him. And and unfortunately, the, you know, the most important figure in my life who was who was gone uh, three months later. Wow. That's yeah. such a great story. I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that one. That's, oh, that's gosh. An awesome. <laughs> that's an awesome story. Um, how is how is uh, how is this putting stroke? I mean, because you, you this, know, it was still then. It was still it still had this r- remarkable arc and yeah. release to it. Oh. Um, it. It just so I just and and in talking to him about putting, and I've talked to to Faxon about you know like the greatest tip that he ever got from Ben. And when he told me what the tip was, it made me think so vividly about watching him putt that day on those greens of all the greens that I could watch him, you know, putt on other than Augusta Nash would be, you know, the, 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 the topography of and the contouring of the greens at number two was something that, that Brad told me when we did a golf channel Academy series together at old sandwich golf course that he and Bill uh, core did in, in Plymouth mass, which is fantastic. And I said, what's the best putting tip you ever got? And he said, it was from Ben Crenshaw. I was struggling putting early. My career was at Disney. So on the practice putting green. And, and I said, Ben, will you just take a look at my stroke? And he, and you know, he watched me wrap a few putts and he said, Brad, you're way too stagnant. You need to move a little. And, and Brad's like, what do you mean move? Yeah, supposed to he keep said, my head he down. Brad, and, yeah, supposed to keep my head yeah, he down said, and don't said, move. And yeah, he said, no, 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 you can't can't be wooden when you putt. You can't be stagnant. There has to be something in your body that is moving in a very supple, very subtle way. He said, even if it's just a little flexing of your knee as you draw the putter back or through the impact zone, your body cannot be rigid. And he said, I have never putted the same since. And, and I, as he was telling me this, I'm thinking about Crenshaw and I, I, I remember watching him. And as he took this big wide arc back and, 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 you know, again, release through the putter and you have this, this back to in to square to in, um, again. And I was thinking about through the impact zone, how as I'm looking at the shaft in his hands, as you look just a little bit down, how the crease in his trousers just changed just microscopically. He was, he was, it was, there was just that just very subtle flex. Um, and I'm like, holy crap. I didn't even see um, it, but now I do. There it is. I mean, it's just, um, so, you know, he, he was, you know, to watch him, to watch him putt and to talk to him. And, and he's, he is, you know, and he was, he and Gil Hans uh, came on my podcast last year and it was, it was all about design. It was all about, um, you, you know, th- that aspect of the, of the game, but he's so there, there's such depth and range and breadth to what it is that you can talk to him about that. It's just, it's, it's, it, there's, it's almost catatonic in the way that you become so fixated on what he's saying. Um, and he's doing it in such a syrupy way. Um, 
it's a hell of an experience to spend time with him. Yeah, that uh, that's definitely uh, that's definitely an episode that I need to try and record at some point. Yes, that, you do. Yeah, because that uh, yeah that would be fantastic. Well, we uh, gosh, you're right. It's uh, two hours, but two hours well spent, and I hope that we can do this. <laughs> I hope we can do it again because we have a absolutely lot, we got tons more to talk about. But um, stay stay safe, stay healthy. And, you too. Uh, and uh, we will uh, we'll do this again. I appreciate you you stopping by the back of the range. Absolutely, my friend. I look forward to talking real soon. And there you have it. Special thanks to Gary Williams for joining me on the first of, I hope, many episodes here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.